This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, Episode 102. This episode of Life-Changing Wellness is brought to you by Wakanaga, the makers of Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract, quality supplements that are backed by science for heart health, immune support, and more. I have personally taken their fine products for more than 25 years, and you should too. So check them out at kyolic.com or find them at your favorite natural health store. Now, before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to, and I also encourage you to look up my show page on radiomd.com slash Bond. Well, my guest today is Todd Davis, and we're going to discuss the seven habits of highly effective people. Todd is Franklin Covey's chief people officer and the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Get Better, 15 Proven Practices to Build Effective Relationships at Work, and Everyone Deserves a Great Manager, The Six Critical Practices for Leading a Team. Todd has more than 30 years of experience in human resources, talent development, executive recruiting, sales, and marketing. And he has been with Franklin Covey for more than two decades and is currently responsible for global talent development of employees in more than 40 offices, reaching 160 countries. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you so much, Dr. Bond. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you know, I am very interested because I understand that Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, well, it's now a classic, and it's been called on as being one of the most influential books of the 20th century, and Franklin Covey is releasing its 30th anniversary edition of the book. How are these habits as relevant today as ever? Yeah, pretty amazing, isn't it? it uh, I first read the book uh, a few years after its, after its initial publishing, about 28 years ago, and to your point, it continues to be on many bestseller lists as of today, selling thousands of copies every week. And and the primary reason is that it is based on principles of effectiveness. So while the practices or or the application of those habits, the seven habits, have, have certainly changed with with the times to be to be relevant for what what the world and what each of us are dealing with, you know, at any given time, the principles on which they're based just because the nature of what principles are don't change. And so that's why this book has continued to be, uh, as you stated, one of the, one of the most influential books uh, of our time and continues to be so. Well, uh, right off the the top here, uh, just for all of my listeners, uh, as we uh, roll through these uh, amazing habits, what are the seven habits of highly effective people listed in the book? I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> I, could, I could talk about the seven habits for for days on end, truly, because while I've read in my in my career, and like all of us have, you know, many many uh, very empowering and influential books, it is truly for me and, and many that I know have been has been a life changing book. And I know that sounds dramatic, but but it truly has. The, the seven habits. Habit number one is to be proactive. This is the habit of choice. Yeah, the the point here being that that we are responsible for our choices. We 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 can choose our response to any situation. You know, there's so much in the world, especially right now, that we can't control or even influence, but we can choose our response to any situation. So being proactive, realizing that we're in charge of our lives and the outside world and, and other circumstances are not, is is very empowering. Habit number two is to begin with the end in mind. 
This is all mm. about the habit of vision. Uh, we're, you know, if we realize we're in charge of our lives, well, then we've got to create a plan or a vision for what we want our lives to be all about. What do we want our legacy to be? And not just, you know, we, many times we hear the word legacy and we think when someone is, is passed away or dead. And, and, and while that's important, what do I want my legacy to be in the role that I'm in right now? What do I want my legacy to be during these trying times that the world is facing? How did I, you know, how do I make a difference or how do I influence? So habit two, begin with the end in mind, is all about creating a a vision for your life, for what you want your life, your career, your personal life to be about. Habit number three is titled, put first things first. This is the habit of execution. You know, Henry Ford said, you you can't build a reputation on what you say you're going to do. <laughs> Habit number three <laughs> is doing just that. You, you've got your plan, you know, you put together your plan, your vision in, in, in Habit two. Now, Habit three is where the rubber meets the road and, and we actually act on those things. These first three habits, being proactive, beginning with the end in mind, and putting first things first, help us to master what we call the private victory. This is the, the victory over self or the or the the where we become trustworthy. It only takes us to do any of those three habits, to be proactive, to begin with the end in mind, and to put first things first. We're not relying on others to do that. We can, we can start to master those things all by ourselves. And so we master what we call the private victory. Then we're ready to move up to what we call the public victory with the next three habits. Habit four is to think win-win. This is the habit of abundance, of having an abundant mindset thinking win-win, where we don't think, you know, what's in it for me and how do I win and I may or may take care of you later. It's how do we all win together? I don't want to win if it's at your expense. I want a win where we can win and move forward together. So thinking win-win is is an attitude of the public victory. The next habit in the public victory is habit number five. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. This is the habit of, of mutual understanding. And it's, I, I appreciated your response to that. It's, it's a habit. That was I almost, could talk. The, just the title of that alone is almost a mic drop. <laughs> so. Well, for me, it is because it's had, it's had such a significant impact on my career, on my personal life, on my relationships. Again, seek first to understand, then to be understood. It's the, it's the habit of mutual understanding. It's really answers the question, do you, like most of us human beings, listen with the intent to reply? Or do you listen with the intent to truly understand the other person? And again, Mm. I don't know, I haven't met anybody who at one time or another, and most of the time doesn't listen with the intent to reply, not because we're bad people, but but because we want to fix things, we want to solve things. And so we're listening to someone only long enough to hear at least what we assume is this topic or the situation, and then we jump in. And, and those who are most effective in their relationships, most effective in their influence, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Well, and let me ask you this. Six. Well, oh, before sure. you go to six, I want to ask you something on number five, because I think one of the biggest problems that I'm seeing in, in society today is the lack of listening, the lack of understanding, and Everybody, because of, let's say, social media, everybody wants to be a voice and they want to be heard. And in, in a normal conversation, and of course, definitely in business, people want to be heard. So like you said, they're listening to what the other person's saying, but they're only listening so that they themselves 
can respond. And sometimes I feel that's a sign of insecurity in a lot of people. And instead of sitting there listening and then uh, really coming back with something, or you don't have to answer at all in, in most cases. And and I think that there's a, a big insecurity there. A lot of people are wanting to be heard. Um, it, to me, it's a weakness. And I love this number five because I think it's going to bring all of us. I'm literally going to download this book after this interview because I want to reread it again because just the way you're explaining these things, some of these things are that I've been studying in separate uh, areas, but now I'm going to bring them together because I think um, this interview is timely, uh, even just for me to tell you the truth. So I'm excited to hear this, Todd. So go ahead with number six, but I think with number five, I think we live in a world where people just, they want to be appreciated. They want to be listened to. They want to be heard, but sometimes they jump in too quick. Well, I, I think you have just so articulately hit on on the, the the primary reason. We do. We want to matter. We want to be relevant. We want to hear. And so I think before we go into habit six, now you got me going, <laughs> habit five, it, 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 it benefits us to step back and ask ourselves, what is my intent? It's just exactly to your point, Dr. Bond. What is my intent? Is my intent, you know, if I'm sitting in a meeting and the conversation is going along and, and I've had some relevant experience to that. I think, gosh, if I share this, um, it could probably help shape this conversation. Well, that's one intent, but I could be in the same meeting and I, and, and it's with you and I'm thinking, Oh man, Dr. Bond always says things that are so relevant and important. And I want people to know that I'm relevant and important too. And, and I want to be heard. And so I'm sitting here trying to think of something to say that will sound smart. Well, both of those are, those are different intents. You know, what is your intent in wanting to be heard? And with, with listening to others, is my intent to, to solve their problem, which is a good intent at the right time. But Dr. Covey, who I had the, the great benefit of working directly with for many years before his passing, he said, the deepest need of the human heart is to be understood. The yes. deepest need of the human heart is to be understood. And I've never forgotten those words. And I think about them, and I'm certainly not perfect at this. I work at it all the time. But when emotions are high, when, when someone's emotions are high, whether they're upset or whether they're excited or whatever, I just, in my mind, silently say, Todd, the deepest need of the human heart is to feel understood. And so even though I may have been through a similar experience or my dad died at a young age or I just bought a new car too – that's not the time to share that. That that the time then when their emotions are higher to say, "Wow, you seem really excited about this," or "You seem really concerned," and then just pause and listen. Listen with the intent to understand. When when people have this experience with someone where where someone is just truly listening to them, it's it's so rare that they just <laughs> open up. They just say, "Wow, can I call you again?" And so it, it's just such a powerful habit as, as you stated. Habit wow. number six is synergy, synergize. And, and, and these, these second three habits, four, five, and six, remember four, think win-win is an attitude. Habit five, seek first to understand, then to be understood is really a skill, not a skill in a manipulative kind of way, but it's just an art or a skill. And then habit six is really the result. If, we've, if we have an attitude of thinking win-win, if we truly take time to understand each other's perspective, not try and agree or disagree or change their minds, but just understand, then we're to habit six where we can truly synergize where we can, it's the habit 
of creative collaboration where we can start to share ideas, put our egos aside. And you said a minute ago, what takes true humility, put our egos aside and let's agree that we, you and I can come up with something way better than what either one of us could have individually. So we synergize and don't just settle for compromise, although sometimes we have to, but really go for what we call a third alternative, something that because of the collaborative nature that we have, because we truly understand each other, we can explore things where I don't have to be right, you don't have to be right, but we can really build on each other's expertise and ideas. So that's habit six. And then there are seven habits and surrounding all six of these habits is habit seven called sharpen the saw. This is the habit of renewal. This is the habit of investing in ourselves, not because we're selfish, not because it's about us first, but in fact, because the more we invest in ourselves, in our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our spirits, then we have that much more capability and energy and resource to be all these things to all these other people. You know, the, when you and I get on the airplanes, remember when we used to do that? I wonder if we'll ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> when, when we get on airplanes and the, and the flight attendant comes out to give us the safety instructions and they say, you know, if there's a, a loss of oxygen in the cabin, masks will drop down and you put on your mask first. And while I don't remember this, I'll bet when I was, you know, first flew on a plane, which was in my like 12 or 13 years old, I'll bet I thought, well, that seems pretty selfish. I mean, the mask comes down and you put it on yourself first, but that's the principle of habit seven of sharpening the saw. You put it on yourself first, not because you're selfish, but because if you invest in yourself, in fact, if you sharpen the saw, this comes from the analogy of the, the woodcutter out there trying to to cut down trees and, and somebody comes up and says, maybe if you took a few minutes to sharpen the blades of your saw, you could go faster. And he's, and the woodcutter says, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy cutting down trees. <laughs> so many of us were so busy in our lives doing all of the, the work and the things that we need to do that we don't slow down and invest in ourselves with the, the right nutrition and the right exercise and the right reading of books, keeping current and, and, and connecting with others, the social connections. So, so those are the seven habits. And as I said up front, they are and continue to be truly life-changing for me and for millions of, of people around the world. Well, you know, I understand that uh, that um, the book itself, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, was really more, it's more than a business book, because I know it's been used to help teachers and students and CEOs and parents, but what does it mean to be a highly effective person outside of our work? So glad you brought that up. So, yes, it's a result. Dr. Kevy was a, a college professor and taught for many years and then and then started to put those teachings into what eventually became the seven of highly effective people. And as you said, it's been used by CEOs and corporations to this day around the world, but on a personal level, it's, it's um, well, well, let me back up. Organizations are, are, aren't really things. They're just groups of people. And so if you have, you know, uh, groups, teams of, of highly effective people, people who know where they're going in life, who know how to balance courage and consideration in their conversations, who know what their plan is, who take time to listen to each other. If you have individual people who gather together as a team or an organization, then you have a highly effective organization. So that's where it's become such a relevant book in the business world. But in, in, in personal lives, and I'll speak, you know, for my, my personal life, because I know most about that. Just the fact that I, when my when my children who are older now, when they were in their teenage years struggling through things that most of us struggle through with teenagers and dealing with challenges that as parents, you're trying your best to guide them through. 
just this habit five, taking time to listen, taking time to truly understand, not tell them, not agree with them or disagree with them, but really understand them. It, it had a significant impact and continues to on the, on the, the difficulties that sometimes we have when, when, when we're raising kids or in, in a marriage relationship where we're, we're so, we, we, we love each other and we have the same goals in mind, but we don't take time to truly understand each other. So that's just, that's just habit five in, in habit seven that we just finished up with the sharpening the saw. I know for myself, as I take time to get on a regimen and take care of myself, certainly during this, this uh, uh, situation we're all dealing with where many people have been, you know, self-quarantined in that and it's easy to just eat all day and, and not take care of yourself. For me to have a regimen of exercise and nutrition and staying current, blocking out time, uh, we call it quadrant two time. In, in habit three, we teach uh, what's commonly known as the time matrix, where you focus on things that are not urgent, but they're important. But because they're not urgent, they, they tend to get put off. But, but you know, investing in yourself, um, staying current in your area of expertise, um, taking time to invest in those relationships that are most important to you. Those are what we call quadrant two activities, important, but not necessarily urgent. And if we're not careful, we, we tend to procrastinate on those. So that's had a huge impact and continues to on my, on my personal life. Just thinking win-win in every relationship, certainly in the partnerships or marriages that we're in, um, and, and, and considering the other person's perspective and what's a win for both of us, not just a win for me, or what's not just a win for you. I know several people who can fall into a martyr mentality and they're all about everybody else and they become a doormat and then they're so unhappy. And they, right. They are so unhappy, but they think that, uh, they're doing something noble, but it's preventing them from growing. It's preventing their career from growing. Now, how many people have you talked to who have gone through the book and, and, and they looked at, you know, they read the book based on the fact of their work or their career, but then they decided to take those seven habits and bring them over into their private life, into their marriage, their relationships, or raising their kids. What are the, some of the things that you have heard uh, from people who have uh, taken these seven habits and w- took it from work to home? Oh, Dr. Bond, uh, thousands, thousands of people. I mean, I've been with, as you mentioned up front, I've been with the company and going on 25 years now. And seven habits is really our our uh, the operating system for our culture. So I've been entrenched in the seven habits for all 25 years of my of my career, and been privileged to coach and teach clients around the world on the principles of seven habits, and have heard story upon story of exactly what you're talking about, how this impacted their personal lives. So just just one that that comes to mind. Um, there was a situation where an individual had a, a, a daughter move out um, of their home at, at what the, the parent, the dad thought was too young of an age and was upset about that. And she would come over for Sunday dinners and it would be five minutes at the most before they would get into an argument again about why had she done this and who she was living with and all of these things. And, and then the story goes on when he says, you know, after weeks of, of arguing and, and these debates and feelings and tears and everything else, just focusing on habit five, taking time to truly understand, not preach, not, not mm-hmm. direct, not give advice. And his daughter opened up and said, um, when, when all he said was, gosh, you seem kind of frustrated and then just bit his tongue and didn't say anything. And after a, a long pause, 
you said, well, so-and-so hasn't paid their portion of the rent. And you, of course, any one of us would have wanted to jump in and say, well, see, I told you this would happen, but they right. resisted and said, wow, I bet that's concerning. Well, it is because she does this and this and this. And then he just, just the opposite of what you would do as a parent. He just kept listening and saying, oh, I'm sorry, honey. And that's, and pretty soon it opened up that she wasn't happy at all in the situation, but didn't know how to get out of it. And even then when she said, I don't know what to do. And you want to jump in as a parent and say, well, let me tell you what to do. But he said, well, let's talk through it. If there's anything I can help with, you let me know. And all of a sudden it just changed the entire situation and the whole dynamic of their relationship. So that's just one of, honestly, I don't want to exaggerate it, but thousands of stories I've heard over the years. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this because, all right, the book is on its 30th anniversary. And in the last 30 years, we have seen a very strange shift in the way people interact with one another. Uh, With the birth of the internet, with the birth of Mm -hmm. social media, um, people are extremely trigger happy in their uh, reactions, their responses. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, it's kind of like reading an email. You can read an email different ways. You could read it as, wow, they come across as really uh, happy or concerning, or they come across as, boy, what a jerk are they? And, And because with things on social media and email, there's no way for us to understand or hear the tone in which something is written. How how do you or how does your company keep this book current with what's going on today? Because you know we've seen a massive shift in the way people react in the last twelve years. Oh, it's, it's yeah, so relevant as you point out, uh, and and I as I said up front, these principles are timeless, but it's the application of them. So it's always been you know being reactive, other than when you're on the road and and somebody accidentally cuts you off and you have to hurry and slam on the brakes. That's a good kind of reactive, but mm-hmm. reactive in relationships, reactivity in relationships has never been a good thing hundreds of years ago and hundreds of years to come, but it's the application like you say. So for example, in Habit One, be proactive. We teach a concept and a principle of creating a space between stimulus and response. And so I'm just, I'm actually putting my hands up right now in two fists that crash into (laughs) each other. And if I'll pull those two fists apart, one of them represents stimulus and one of them represents response. And I create that space and recognize that as human beings, I actually have the freedom to choose because I'm a human being, because I have a conscience, because I have imagination to create a different response, because I have independent will, I can, I can separate that stimulus from response. And when I read that hurtful or, or callous uh, post that somebody puts on Facebook and during this, you know, just using the mm-hmm. political climate right now, right, somebody right. posts something, I'm thinking, wow, this is my cousin David. Why would he talk like that? And, and I can just fire back with the response, just like you said. And, and where does that go? Am I going to change David's mind? Or I can pause, I can sleep on it, I can start to think about, I wonder what would cause David to feel so strongly about that. And I might, shocking as this might be, especially to our younger generation, I might pick up the phone and give David a call and say, hey, David, I just read your post. And you're, I can tell you're, you're really passionate about this. I was just curious is to hear more about your thinking on this or why you view it that way. That is so uncommon, but I've done that exact thing. I just used that example because I did it like a week ago and it opened up a world of discussion and, 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 and ended up with my cousin saying, 
yeah, you know, after I've talked through this with you, I probably shouldn't have posted that. I probably should have just shared that I'm concerned about blah, blah, blah. And so I just think that the opening up of communication, as you said, technology has made it put these shortcuts in place, which can be beneficial, but more often than not have created hostility and, and assumptions, false assumptions. And so just, just remembering as human beings, we have the freedom to choose our response and, and our response may not be the wisest if we're going to fire back in a post or something, but to pick up the phone and call or to not respond. My wife is, is friends with a, with a, a group of women that she served on a school board with. And there was a string of texts going on a couple of weeks ago. And a few of the comments, she said, gosh, this is just surprising, making me so mad. I want to tell them, I want to text them about this thing. And I just said, Tricia, I wonder if, and again, I wasn't telling her what to do, but I said, <laughs> I wonder if just by not responding, you're saying more than if you did respond. And and a couple of the other women on the, on this text chain did the same thing, didn't respond. And then somebody who had been all fiery in their conversation said, hey, I can tell by the lack of response, some of you, this probably wasn't a good topic to go down. So let's erase the board and start over. And, and it was really a good outcome. So I think sometimes uh, the best response is no response. And just oh, to I kind agree. of step back and say, I don't need to be heard right now. I don't need to put in my or. <laughs> I can just Well, to me, well, yeah. And to me, I think it's also, you know, I have, you know, let's say, let's use Facebook as an example. So somebody makes a post and you're sitting there and all of a sudden you're typing in, your response. And before you hit enter, you're like, hmm, is it really worth it? And then you delete your response and you Mm -hmm. go on. Sometimes we have to choose our battles. And sometimes we have no business creating a battle that wasn't there in the first place. And I love, I, I love the, this book for so many reasons. And, and I am all for people growing, maturing. We, I've, I see adults that are my age or older who are, are as immature, who have not learned anything in the last 40 years. And we need to take it upon ourselves to really think, hey, I need to grow up. I need to mature. How do I do those things? And this book provides the most important nuggets that one can use to grow. You know, to me, if I was going to look at a very successful CEO, I'd want to look up to somebody that takes their time in answering a question. He thinks before he speaks. Um, you know, and in a way, as we learn these seven effectual habits, um, I think it helps the person really rise up to a new level. And I think that, especially in the workplace, you know, their bosses, their supervisors will be able to see a difference without them actually forcing themselves into a promotion or trying to manipulate their way in. It's just by the way that they carry themselves. And I think to me, one of the biggest calling cards today is how does a person carry themselves? And when you see it, you can read them very quickly. Either you're going to like, wow, that person's impressive. Wow, that person is wise. Or, well, that person needs to get their head on straight. So you can kind of tell just by the way that they may speak or they, they walk or carry themselves. And I think this book is just one of those things. And the other thing, Todd, that I love about it is vision. I'm a big, big believer that people 
need to take the risk and get out of their comfort zone, find out what their vision is, and go for it? Well, I could, as you're talking, Dr. Bond, I, I'm thinking to myself, and again, I've been with the company for 25 years, and I'm a huge fan of the seven habits. I'm thinking it would be awesome to have Dr. Bond teach a seven habits class because you, you know, I mean, just your credentials and your background, you have such an understanding of these principles. Dr. Covey stated often, I did not invent the seven habits. What I did was identify the principles, which I also didn't invent, but I, sure. but I you know, identified the principles which form these. And I, I've had many people say, well, gosh, it feels like you're saying seven habits is the answer to everything. And, and while that's certainly not true, these principles, uh, all, all seven of these habits and the principles upon which they're based, they are applicable to everyone. There, there isn't one that you say, well, how would that ever apply to me? They are applicable to everyone. And so it is, it, for those of, you, of, of your listeners who have not read the book or read it a long time ago, it would, and I'm not here pitching books, I'm just telling you from my experience, it would, it would, you could not help but become a better person. Even as great as you probably are right now, you couldn't help but become better by, by reintroducing yourself to these, these timeless principles. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I, it doesn't matter how old we are, there's always room to grow. And, uh, and I think that also says something about the person that is willing to grow, willing to look at themselves and say, wow, I'm insecure. I've got these fears. Are these things uh, infiltrating my career and, and causing a neg- negative there? What, what can I do to change these things? And, and they're just very, very, I'm, I'm not going to say they're simple because we have to be very mindful to practice these things every day. So, you know, when you're in the process of learning, be aware there's going to be a teaching moment coming your way to test you to find out, did, are you practicing what you're studying? Are you practicing what you're preaching? So that teaching moment is going to come. And that's what life is all about. And so, ladies and so gentlemen, true. yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, the 30th anniversary edition of the seven habits of highly effective people uh, has been released on May 19th. Uh, the special edition incorporates fresh insights and additions uh, from uh, Sean Covey. Uh, Executive Vice President of Global Solutions and Partnerships for Franklin Covey. And uh, Todd, any last words? Well, just appreciate you appreciate you uh, hosting this this uh, radio station and having me on as a guest and, and my opportunity here to talk about something I feel so passionate about. And uh, just just I, I guess the last words I would say <laughs> is it, our our legacy, Every listener, just think about what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want? What difference do I want to make in my family, in my in my professional life, and and in the world? Because we have we have a world full of people doing that, and and there's no stopping us. It will be a, a continue to be a wonderful place to to be alive. So so just focus on on your legacy and what you would like that to be, and what are you doing today to make sure that legacy becomes a reality. Uh, Thank you so much, Todd. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Todd Davis. And we have been talking about the seven habits of highly effective people. The 30th anniversary edition is out now. 
buy it. If you've already read it, you need to read it again. There's nothing like a a refresher uh, when it comes to learning life's elements to help us to grow and be more mature. And not only that, I love the win-win. Whatever we learn, let's pass it on to others, uh, if it's family or even in your career. So ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at radiomd.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, Please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes, and I can tell you this, this episode is worth five stars, so I want to thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. And now you can download our show on Spotify, so just look up Dr. Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Again, you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And thank you so much for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.